Welcome to John Longwell Media, creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, The Missionary Message, recorded on September 11, 2016, at Revived Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as one of the teaching pastors. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Thanks, Amos, for um, for continuing to have a heart for that. Um, we know that we're trying to become more about um, basically supporting our, our, our community, supporting our city, and this is such a great way for us to be identified. I mean, literally, right outside our front door here, we have these kids from our community coming and skating, and, and some of them have maybe never heard of the name Jesus in a holy sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's really great for them to go, oh, wow, we didn't even know you guys had a church here, and we had some of them asking service times, and so it really is, you know, it takes like five years before a whole new generation of people just revolve around the calendar that, that don't know about Jesus, that have never heard the good news. And so, you know, having maybe grown up with some sort of a Christian influence, we it's easy to take it for granted that, you know, oh yeah, well everybody knows about Jesus. And it's really not true. That hope is still so vital and so needed in the day and age in which we live. So before we get, begin the word, let's just open in a word of prayer. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity to gather, to to be transformed by your word. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would have freedom in this place today to move in our hearts. God, I ask that I would decrease, that your word would simply um, speak through me today, and that we would have open ears to hear, Lord God. And we just lift these things up in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to move this over a little bit because it's a little off center, and I'm only preaching to one side. Um, and actually, I need uh, Jamie to come up here because I wanted to I wanted to interview him a little bit before I got into the word. Um, we've got a couple of really really hardworking people in our congregation, and I know that that Jamie is one of them. Um, so, how was your week? Huh? How, how was your week? It was good. Yeah. What'd you do? Um, I went to work and. Um, Provided. <laughs> well, what, no, why did you go to work? Um, to, to make money and provide for the family. Um, what do you need money for? Um, to provide shelter and food and um, basic resources. So you're still paying for those things? Yeah. Some, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to embarrass you, Jamie, but um, I've got some information for you that might change your life a little bit. But all of your debts have already been paid for. That is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So literally, um, if you're paying on a mortgage, a car, food, clothing, even if you wanted to buy a plane ticket or anything, it's already paid for. Fantastic. And, and you know the other cool thing is that applies to everyone. That's the great news. Would you like, do you, isn't that think that would be good enough news to share with everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. <laughs> Unfortunately, that does not apply to his finances. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but there is a way in which this does apply. All of our debt on a certain level has already been paid for. It's our spiritual debt, and that's what I want to get into today. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
verses 16 through 20. That will be the bulk of our text. Now, um, basically, Pastor Sean has been talking for about the last month on what it means to be missional. And so this morning we're going to get into a word in here that describes a term for being missional, but in just a little bit different of a category. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, the word here that I want us to focus on is that word ambassador. You see, because we are called to be both missionaries and ambassadors. And if I was to look up the definition of the word missionary, it would go something like this. A person sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. If you were to look up the word ambassador, it's very similar. It is a diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So both of these involve dwelling in a foreign country for a specific purpose. And it's really interesting because the Bible makes it clear that this world is not our home. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 in the New Living Translation, it says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And in John chapter 17, verses 14 through 16, it says, I have given them your word. And this is Jesus after he was resurrected. And he's now actually praying to God on behalf of his disciples. He's saying, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see, we, we are foreign. We are in this foreign land as God's official representatives. And in so doing, we actually have a mission as a missionary. So what is our mission? And here's what our mission is. It's in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, our mission or ministry is to share the message of reconciliation. Well, what is reconciliation? Well, I think the easiest way for us to understand that would be consider a married couple who then divorces. And then let's say that over time, you know, they continue to communicate, and they begin to work on those things that went wrong in their relationship. And then miraculously... They remarry. Their relationship has been reconciled. It has been restored. Reconciliation is possible for us through Christ because he paid our debt. He made those things that were not right between creation and God 
he made them right. Just like I was joking around with Jamie, you know, wouldn't it be just amazing to actually have that sense of, man, I don't have to pay for anything. You know, it'd be like having a, um, it would be like having a lottery ticket that you could just go and cash in, you know, three, four hundred million dollars, and then you would never need to worry about, you know, you could pay off your house. In my case, I could pay off my student loan. That'd be great. Pay off that car, maybe buy a couple of other cars. But you see, reconciliation has now been made possible for us because that debt has been paid. And that is an amazing thing. Has anybody ever had anyone borrow money from them? Anyone? You know, that can sometimes be an awkward situation, can it? You know, family member, friend comes up to you, set the scenario for you. It's a Wednesday, you get a call from a friend, oh man, I've, they're going to shut my power off, can you lend me 50 bucks? I'm going to get paid this Friday, I'll pay you back. Oh, no problem, no problem. You know, a couple days without $50, so lend them the money, and then Friday comes around, don't get a call, nobody stops by, you're like, oh, well, maybe they just forgot. Well, then Sunday morning comes along. Well, that person happens to go to your church. You have a 10-minute conversation with them. And never once do they raise the whole topic that they owe you $50. So you, you give it some time. You know, you don't want to be the day rolls around. You know, like, well, you know, I'll just send them a text and kind of a little reminder. Hey, I was just wondering, you know, when are you going to give me that $50 back that I lent you? Oh, man, I'm so sorry I had this, this come up and this come up. I promise I'll pay you this as soon as I can. And now everything about this relationship is seen through the eyes of that debt that is owed to you. You start to scrutinize that person. You know, next time you see him, you're like, hmm, those sneakers look like they cost at least $50. Hmm. Bet you that jacket was probably 75 <laughs> You know, everything about them, you can no longer relate to them in that normal way because the only way that you see them is through the eyes of the debt that they owe you. And in much the same way, when creation fell, when sin came into place, debt was the only thing that God could see when he saw creation. And it bothered his heart so that he sent his son on our behalf. And his son was completely debt-free. Now, just so you know, the only way that the debt could have been paid is through our lives. We would have had to die. That's the only way that we could have paid for our sins. And so Jesus said, or God said, I'm going to send my son Jesus, and he is sin-free, and he is debt-free, but he's going to give his life as a payment for their debt. And then every time I look at them, guess what? I'm not going to see their debt anymore because I'm going to see my son who paid the debt on their behalf. He removed the debt out of the way so that, they, so that we would have that freedom with which to relate to the Father. That is what it means to be reconciled to the Father. So we have now been given this exciting message of reconciliation to share with other people. But does how we see others stop us from sharing that word of reconciliation? Do we see them as maybe owing us? Or maybe we see that great sin that we know that they still owe God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17, it addresses this in the very opening of the scriptures that we, that we read. It says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
So then what do we say? Oh, well, you know, I, I can go ahead and, and dog on people that don't know Jesus because it's only people. But you see that, that same potential that we've been given. Everyone has that same potential to walk in that fullness of forgiveness. You see, when we accept God's forgiveness, it assumes that we will also forgive other people in that process. In fact, we agree with this every time we say the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, we're taught to pray in this manner. It says, Therefore pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then it says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And basically what that means is that which is owed. And then he goes on to say, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And usually at that amen we stop. But we don't go on to verse 14, which is the very next verse, which is the fine prince, which says this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. And that's very interesting because is the Bible contradicting itself? Is it saying that, okay, now it's conditional that you can only receive forgiveness if you extend forgiveness? No, it's not saying that in the universal sense because that which Christ did is done. It's final. The nail was in the coffin. He's been raised from the dead. Our debt has been paid. But what this means, as I shared earlier, when we accept God's forgiveness, it assumes that we also forgive another. Because it would be like us going, and there's actually a, a story in the Bible where Jesus talks about that. It would be like us having a debt, literally, to someone in this world, and them saying, you know what? If you don't pay this debt, I'm going to put you in jail. And us pleading with them, saying, please, please forgive my debt. And they say, okay, I'm going to forgive your debt. And let's say like we owe that person $100,000. And then we had someone that owed us maybe just $100. And we went up to that person and we said, you know what? You owe me $100. And unless you pay that debt to me right now, I'm going to put you in jail. It shows that we've missed the heart of accepting the forgiveness that was extended to us because we no longer allow that to flow through us to those other folks to whom we are in relationship. You see, we've got two sorts of relating. We have the vertical relationship, which is between God and ourselves. But it's only truly realized when we can extend it out in the horizontal relationships of our life. In fact, that's why in so many areas of the Bible, we have these wonderful analogies we have in fact we can see in the bible that it calls the church the bridegroom of christ and christ i'm sorry we're, we're the bride of christ and christ is the bridegroom and that's why it's so easy for when we look at us being reconciled back to the father we are the bride being reconciled back into the bridegroom and that's why also in other places Christ uses examples of families and friendships to describe that vertical peace that we have with God, that we should then have that same peace with one another. So if we do not forgive others, it shows our heart isn't right to receive forgiveness. Like I said, it's like having that winning lottery ticket that we never cash in. And when we aren't reconciled, 
we can then not share that message of reconciliation. As I was talking to Jamie, he was getting pretty excited about the fact that he was no longer going to have to work, that he could spend all that time at home with his family. Of course, I don't know if his wife would want him to be home quite all those hours. He might send him on some tasks or something. But um, anyway, that aside, the reality is, is that once we've received that news of reconciliation in our own life, it should swell up inside of us and overflow to the degree that as a natural point of contacting other people, as a natural point of being on mission in this foreign country in which we all dwell, we should be able to share that message of reconciliation. So there is no more debt owed to, to God by anyone. We need to accept God's forgiveness for ourselves and extend it to others. So I guess the question is, what's keeping you from your reconciliation with God? You know, they say that you, that you, can't, you can't give away what you yourself do not have. You know, if I don't have water myself, I can't give water to another person. And so these are the two real pivotal points of the sermon today is number one, there's a forgiveness that comes from God that will transform our lives. There was a Christian counselor that um, I met about 20 years ago, and he shared a very profound quote, which I'd like to share with you. He said this, life will confirm your assumptions about life. Think about that for a minute. Life will confirm your assumptions about life. And essentially what that means is whatever outlook you happen to have on life, as you go through the course of living, those very events that happen are going to confirm the very assumptions that you've made about life. And in much the same way, the assumptions that we have about God will be confirmed in the course of our living. If you look upon God as a father who is hypercritical, who is always judgmental and who is exacting upon you, then every event of how you live your life will ratify that assumption that you have. If you look upon, and maybe you've had a guardian or a parent that, that treated you this way, you could do nine things perfectly. You could come home with five A's on that report card, but that one B plus was the focal point of their discussion. Why is it that you didn't get an A in this class? Why didn't you pay attention? Why didn't you this? Why didn't you that? All of those kind of things will begin to paint how it is that you view life and how it is that you view God. And that's why it is so important that we cleanse our minds with the Word of God. Because there's a lot of information, there's a lot of theology that we have picked up through the course of our life. And some is good, and some is maybe not so good. Some of it has formed these assumptions about how we view life and how we view God. And that's why it is so important for us not to just hear a sermon on a Sunday morning, but for us to personally open the Word of God, to see how it specifically applies to our life, to allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light of enlightenment for our situation, so that our assumptions about life can line up to the Word of God. Because if they don't line up to the Word of God, they're going to line up to something, and that something might be in error. It might be continuing to perpetuate some sort of shame or some, and you know, one of the other things that I think is interesting, why people don't receive forgiveness that's freely been given to us is because we feel like we have to work for it. 
we feel like, oh, well, you know, if I just do these couple of things, in fact, I used to have what I called the forgiveness cycle that I would, that I would do. You know, depending on the level of my sins, you know, well, I just told a little white lie, just, you know, fudge my taxes a little bit, that's not that big of a deal. But then maybe there was something relational that happened, and I, I got convicted about it. Well, I would spend at least two days walking around with my head in shame. Just feeling like, well, I think that's my, that's my contrition that I have to go through. That's, those are my two days of being depressed about the act that I, uh, that I went through. And then I would finally break open my Bible, put on my praise music, and then I would begin to pray to God. And then after several years of this, God's like, really? He goes, you already know what the outcome is going to be. You already know that you're forgiven. There's a lot of time being wasted in your life. Why don't you just come to the cross? And that's why I love what Amos shared at communion today. Isn't it wonderful to be able to simply go before God and to say, I screwed up. I said some things that I shouldn't have said. Lord, I want to renew the forgiveness that was freely purchased for me. Lord, please apply that to my account. And that's why the Word of God says that His mercies are new every morning. Just like that sunshine, you might have had the worst storm the night before, but it's always amazing. Each new day comes with the sun that breaks through, and sometimes those clouds make for the most beautiful sunrises that you could possibly see. And that's why I encourage you, go to the Word of God, and don't allow something like shame or feeling like you need to work for that forgiveness stand in the way of you receiving the reconciliation that has been freely purchased for you. I want to go ahead and conclude today by sharing an Irish story of reconciliation. Now, the year is 1492. The city is Dublin. And there are two prominent families, the Kildares and the Ormonds. And like many families, they had a fight. And the fight escalated to a full-on family feud. And there was bloodshed on both sides. And, and it got so bad that finally the Ormonds sought refuge in one of the chapter houses of St. Patrick's Cathedral. And so they're in there and they're, they're bunkering down and the Kildares are on, on the outside and they're trying to attack them. And finally the Earl of Kildare, he kind of came to his senses and he said, you know, this is really ridiculous. Here we are, two families, we believe in the same God, we attend the same church, and here we are trying to kill each other. So he yelled out to the Earl of Ormond, who was in the St. Patrick's Cathedral chapter house, and he said, Brother, we need to stop this fighting. He goes, Come on out, I'm ready to make peace. And the Earl of Ormond, he was a little skeptical, and he said, Yeah, the minute I do that, you're going to attack my family and you're going to kill us. And so the Earl of Kildare, he took his hatchet, and he went up to the door of St. Patrick's Cathedral, and he cut out a square hole in the door, and he thrust his arm through that hole. And he basically said, you can either take my arm and embrace, or you can cut it off. It's up to you. And there were a few tense moments there until finally the Earl of Ormond, he took his arm and embrace. He opened the door, they hugged, and the family feud was over. To this day, if you visit St. Patrick's Cathedral in Dublin, you will see a door called the Door of Reconciliation. And the Scottish have a saying called, Chancing One's Arm. It came about from this incident, and it means to take a chance, especially in reaching out to someone in reconciliation. And so I ask you today, 
Is it time to grasp Christ's arm in reconciliation? Is it time to really allow him to pull you up to where you need to be? Instead of just sitting and staying where you've been for so long? Because maybe there's a, maybe there's a deeper, deeper level of forgiveness that you've not yet even experienced. We, we go through life and we just kind of bury over those things of our past that Christ is maybe saying, let's revisit that. Maybe let's look at that. Let's, let's show you how there's a deeper degree of reconciliation. Because you see, we're not simply being reconciled just so that we can have this, okay, go to church relationship with God. We're being reconciled into the family of God. And with that comes amazing resources, potential, power to go from a really a kind of a flat planed life to living a life that's, that's filled with dynamic power. And I don't know about you, but in the day and age in which we live, I need all of the power that I can get to to overcome the obstacles that come our way. I mean, even in the political times that we live, even in the changing societal times, where we as a Christian culture, we've been pretty steady believing the same things that we've always believed. And yet, even within the last 20 years, culture has begun to dictate different values, different cultural things that they're not the same as what I was when I was growing up. And so we need to learn how it is that we can continue to speak the truth in love to the, to the world in which we live. And so the second thing that you may be challenged with is it may be time, as the Scottish say, to chance your arm and reach it out to someone else in reconciliation. Because if there's someone that you've been having a really difficult time in forgiving, guess what? It's really truly impacting your ability to receive forgiveness from the Father. And of course, it's also impairing your ability to share the message of reconciliation with the world. And so I, I challenge you today, ponder these things in your heart as I pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be reconciled to you on a daily basis. And Lord God, we thank you that as missionaries in this foreign land, as ambassadors, as your official representatives, Father God, we have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. Which is amazing news, Lord God, to truly know that all of our debts have been paid every single day. And even though we seem to rack up more and more debts in our sins each and every day, it's so awesome to be able to come to you on a daily basis and say, thank you, Jesus, that my account has been settled. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.